Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I know there's a way to be happy, to reach these goals, and everything that I love can be a part of it. You know, everything that I love to do can be channeled into this rhythm of rest and recovery. The rest, the balance, it feeds your goals. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulvia Jaffarli, a data scientist in Italy. Although I'm living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail, do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? LinkedIn presents. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women, sharing their stories of how they got to where they are today. Back in studio in Los Angeles, so excited to be here with my first guest back in studio, not being remote on the podcast. Welcome, Draja. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are you? So elated mm. to be here. Like, this is just, I'm freaking out. You guys, I'm nervous. I feel all sorts of feelings. I'm, it's just, it's crazy that I've been doing this remotely for so long. Since 2014, I've been podcasting in studio and then the pandemic happened. And now here we are standing in front of one another. It's just like, with, with like amazing sound in my ears. You guys, I love the sound of audio. I got to plug in my H6 Zoom again. Like this whole experience is amazing. And the reason why Josh is on the show is some of you may know I'm a member of Noia House. I love Noia House, um, Noia House Venice. And um, Noia House puts together these phenomenal experiences for us from sound baths to coaching sessions to um, to like playtime happy hours. I mean, it, to runs. It's amazing. And when I saw Draja's session in the calendar, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to book a time. First of all, I can't even believe we get time with the best people in the world to guide us to achieve what we want to achieve. And I've been, you know, going through this transition of being not around people and kind of quiet and still needing to recover from all that stuff, as I'm sure so many of us need to do, to like... Being a podcaster is a super extroverted life, (laughs) you know, professionally and not knowing how to 
you know, transition my energy and feeling bad when I need to spend time in bed. Anyway, so I see this thing in the Noya House app and I'm like, I want to be in this session. I don't even remember what the session title was. I wish I, I, I don't know if you even have a screenshot, but there were keywords that stood out. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to meet with her. <laughs> and when I met with Draja, I left feeling that I was more on the right path than I, I was so consumed with like that self-critic in me that I was missing the beat, that I was actually being the best leader that I could be, but I just didn't know until Draja sh- showed me the bigger picture. First of all, go ahead and introduce you. Tell us a, a little context on New York, but let's talk about our session to like kick things off. Okay, yeah. well, I'm Draja Jansky, and I love facilitating transformation. So what we did in our session is what I love to do. And I've been working with creatives and entrepreneurs and executives for 25 years helping them create beautiful personal and professional lives and also really helping them get aligned with what they truly want. Not what they used to want, what they think they want, what they should want, but what they truly want. Yeah. And it just helps focus their energy so the path forward becomes clearer and they enjoy the path forward. Yes. I think that's really key. I left, I remember feeling... That uh, like when I walked in, I felt just like chaotic and heavy and a lot of self-doubt and a lot of just inner critique, like a lot of critique that I needed rest, but I didn't feel like it was okay that I was resting. I felt like, why am I not being productive? Why am I not getting things done? I'm not the Mm -hmm. leader I want to be and all these things. And then after I left, I felt light. I felt empowered. I felt um, possibility. I felt a better narrative about what I was experiencing as a leader. The, one of the best things she said, she's like, you know that you're taking care of yourself so you don't get sick and then you can't work at all, right? I'm like, oh, no, I, I didn't get that memo. I didn't know. And so she just helped me shift my context. So let's jump into the session that we had a bit. And okay. then let's talk about some of the principles and systems that everybody can apply to their own lives. Mm-hmm. Um so they could experience that that amazing lightness that I was able to experience. Well, two other things yeah. that you said about really giving yourself permission to follow your body cycles and to take care of yourself. I mean, that's very key to my work is allowing you to follow the body cycles so you take care of yourself and so you have more to give. And the other thing was, did you say something about enjoyment or like feeling? Yeah. What was the second? It was like that- I was— because I was so upset at myself f- for resting, I w- even when I was resting, I wasn't resting mm-hmm. because I was so busy being mm-hmm. angry at myself for resting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think when you follow the body's rhythms, it can be a much more pleasurable cycle. And I'm kind of a hedonist at heart. And that actually, I find it going very well with practicality. Because if you really experience pleasure and focus in what you're doing, you get things done. And you don't get things done through push and shove and I've got to, but you get things done through a natural, organic drive for pleasure. I mean, we're wired for that, Mm. so why don't we wire it in alignment with our goals? I think it was, I'm not sure, it was maybe the Dalai Lama. One of these people said the point of life is to be happy. Yeah, that's, I mean, I studied, I've studied a lot of spiritual philosophy since I was a child. My father was a professor of comparative religions. And so I was really introduced to a lot of these things that we think of as new age or new psychology or new mindfulness. They're ancient. 
They're in every single tradition, but we need to express them differently um, for each time period and for each person. So I really try to tailor my coaching to individual needs, and I do, but it's anchored in ancient principles that work. And let's talk about some of the systems that, you know, the people could apply listening to this. They get off the episode. They're like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> okay, well, one thing I love to do, and we talked about this yeah. um, when I arrived, is help people release resentment. Yes, um, so important. Yeah, any kind of resentment or blame. And I think of it like a swimmer. You know, an Olympic swimmer will, like, shave body hair so there's no drag when they're swimming. They want to be as streamlined as possible. And so— I feel like releasing certain habits, like the habit of resentment or blame, just streamlines your process. You don't have any dead weight to pull, and you can move forward. You can take responsibility for your life, and you can understand that you're the creator. So I think really acknowledging resentment is so key and important. And what I found in you know, my leadership journey is sometimes I was doing things that I thought were the right things. And then I couldn't figure out why I was feeling resentful about doing those things. Mm -hmm. And later I discovered it's because I wasn't making decisions that I actually wanted to be making. How do we make decisions that empower us, that we feel great about, that energize us rather mm -hmm. than energy decisions that leave us feeling depleted and resentful? Okay, so you're singing my song. This is <laughs> I'm very I'm very big on this on being aligned in your thinking and making decisions that feel good to you that you can follow through on. So for example, if you're saying yes to a lot of things that you really don't want to do because you want to be nice or you don't want to cause wave, you don't want to cause a ripple, then you're going to end up obviously resenting having to do those things because it's not aligned with what you really desire. So you're doing everybody a favor by acknowledging that that's how you feel and then starting to get in touch with what you really desire and how you can bring that to the situation and how you can bring that to the team. I guess my, my next question is, how do we form a healthier relationship with saying no? Mm -hmm. Okay. Hmm. No is the new yes. Right? <laughs> Seriously, the more no's you the the more no's you can say to the things you don't want, the stronger and truer and clearer and more powerful your yes is. Okay, so there are a lot of habits, and it's one of the things I do in my practice. Yeah. Is help people develop habits of being mindful, tuning yeah. into their mind and body keeping their real goals on the forefront and changing their day-to-day -day habits and thoughts to be in alignment with that. So really going off of autopilot yeah. and getting in the driver's seat. And yeah, there's a lot of practices for that, but that's what I work on people with because I think that gets the best results. I'm curious, when did you originally become uh, interested in the, in essentially this kind of work. And I know this is a funny question. At what moment did you realize you were really good at it? Because the, I, I asked that because you're really good at it. Like mm -hmm. I came in and then you did a thing and it seemed for the most part you did it intuitively. Like it was your natural gift. And then I left and I'm like, holy shit. Like I feel like I see the world differently and I just feel more ease. That was crazy. Mm -hmm. So when did you become interested in it and when did you realize that 
you were really good at it. Well, what I do, I became interested in as a child. I always wanted to know about people and what made them tick. Like when I saw things on the surface of people that didn't make sense, I would always ask them questions. I wanted to know what they're really feeling and what they really want. So I was curious about that. Also, as a child, if I was feeling an emotion that I felt was destructive, I would analyze it. For example, jealousy. I remember Mm. as a 12-year-old getting out my journal and saying, I'm feeling jealous. What's at the root of this? What is, there must be some purpose for this feeling. It's alerting me to something. And then I analyzed it and I found by analyzing it and working through it that I could get to the root of what I was feeling, that I admired somebody, that I wanted to cultivate those qualities, but that I secretly didn't know if I could. Mm. So what easier to just be jealous? So I realized at 12 that was ridiculous. And so I psychoanalyzed myself and um, it changed the way I felt and the way I behaved and it changed my life. So it started in childhood. I was also extremely intuitive. But I grew up in the Midwest, so when I would share my intuition, prophetic dreams, things like that, it was not well-received. So I learned to channel it into my work. Yeah, it's kind of a long story, but that that was the start of it. And do you want to know more about the progression? Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Just like, because you, you, it it was really unreal, Mm. that life experience. I, yeah, keep going. Mm-hmm. It was just really unreal. Like, mm-hmm. I hope that everybody gets a chance to, like, sit with you to experience what I experienced. It was uh, it was not your everyday um, tied-in-a-box bow kind of, like, advice or suggestions mm-hmm. or guidance. It was, it's like you really tapped into me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love I love doing that. I love seeing what's underneath. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Like, it's like you got underneath my hood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's, and not all people want that. You know, when you're out in public, they don't want you to see that. So you turn that vision off. But when somebody comes to me and they say, please look underneath my hood. Yeah. Like I said, I want to understand myself. I want to figure this out. I, I have these desires. Yeah. And I feel like I'm pushing so hard to get them. Yeah. And they're not happening. So it's like, oh, yeah, let's get in there. Yeah. Like, let's see what's there and let's clear it out. So, but the way I channeled it when I was a kid is like, I got into the arts, I got into theater, and I got into dance. And those were full mind-body practices that helped me understand I could release emotions and release feelings, not just by working them out mentally, but working them out through my body. It also gave me the power to understand, like, we're playing characters in this life, yeah. and we have a choice. I mean, a lot of the, the way we play our characters comes from upbringing or genetics or our subconscious, and we feel like they're hardwired, but they're not. There are strategies and techniques that help you once you get under the hood. Yeah. You know, just like when you go to a good mechanic, they know what yeah, to yeah, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they can show you, and they can train you, and they can empower you, and slowly— you gain so much more choice, like yeah. the power of choice. And 
honestly, the power of feeling good. Yeah. Like you brought up the Dalai Lama right before yeah, yeah, yeah. we started about him saying the purpose of life is to oh, be happy. Oh, that's Dalai Lama. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know who I said, no. but that's who I meant to say. You know, I've studied very seriously with Vedanta monks. And what's so cool is they took religion off of it for me because they knew how hardcore I was about understanding the mind. And they're like, meditation is a technology to help you be in charge of your mind. So whatever or whoever programmed you, you know, I mean, we're creating AI knows. AI knows. So God knows who programmed us. But whatever. <laughs> that's another podcast and conversation. But whatever programmed us, the monks are saying there are ways for you to get in there and you can reprogram and you can take the reins. And so when the Dalai Lama or one of those monks is saying the purpose of life is to be happy— It's kind of this umbrella for all these practices, because if you truly want to be happy, nothing's going to do it materially. It's important to do the material things. But, you know, you've experienced it. I've experienced it. So many of my clients have where all your dreams are coming true and it doesn't feel like you thought it would. They're good dreams and it's important that you do that mission in the world. But happiness doesn't come with that. Happiness comes with practicing happiness. Just like playing guitar comes Mm -hmm. with practicing playing the guitar and there's techniques. Yeah. It's like the monk said, it's technology. Like everybody, anyway, I could go on forever. I'll let you. No, well, (laughs) I know I love everything that you're saying. One of the things that comes to mind is, you know, when we're going through you know, everybody listening to the podcast is a very driven person and we have a lot of goals and and we're constantly hustling. That's a word Mm -hmm. made popular. I don't know how I feel about that word anymore, but we're all, we're all trying to get somewhere. And then we're typically comparing ourselves to the next person who is just a level above. And it's, it will never stop Mm. if we live that way. And in order to live a life that we genuinely enjoy that, that brings us fulfillment, we need to understand that we can be happy literally right now. And it doesn't feel that way sometimes. And I think that's one of the amazing things that I, you know, um, experienced in that session with you was, oh, I you're giving me permission to rest. It is okay that I'm resting. It is part of the leadership journey. And I can feel joy and proud of myself in this moment of rest. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be coding 24-7 at my computer in order to be proud of myself and feel successful and be happy. I could be successful because I'm resting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's really important that you brought that up because I, too, am very goal-oriented. I love, like, setting goals, like mind, body, spirit, career, relationship— Um, And what I have found is that rest and balance and recovery is crucial to achieving your goals, like crucial. So I help people remember that sometimes the most productive thing you can do is take a nap or go out to dinner or give it a break. Like it's actually moving you towards your goals. Yeah. Because if somebody had told somebody like me, oh, you need to rest, forget about those goals, just be happy, it w- I wouldn't have been sold. Right. Like, I know there's a way to be happy, to reach these goals, and everything that I love can be a part of it. You know, everything that I love to do can be channeled into this rhythm of rest and recovery. And uh, so it really... The rest, the balance, it feeds your goals. A lot of people don't believe this, and that's okay. You know, 
But when people that are really driven come to me, it's usually after it hasn't worked. I mean, I can't convince them it doesn't work and it's not my job. Like if they think it works, they should do it, you know, because there's so many different ways to roll. And some people just do that until they die. So, I mean, I'm not to say don't do that. I'm just saying if you're doing it and it's not working, if you don't feel good, if you're pushing and it's not working out and other people seem to be doing it with ease, that's the key. They are doing it with ease. Yeah. There's there are techniques to do it with ease. 100%. And because I had a life experience of working myself so hard burning out and then not being able to walk for 5 months, yeah. I have this alarm system mm-hmm. whenever I start to feel not of ease, tired, chaotic, I'm like, "Oh no. I swear body, I will go do something. Please don't make me not walk again." <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it was like that was such a painful life experience Mm -hmm. so yeah so again when when uh when noia house and for those of you who don't know noia house it's it's just such an amazing co-working uh space in venice and hollywood and downtown it's just it's phenomenal um when noia house provided that opportunity to connect with you um i was just like yes I, i need to i need to figure this out because i feel chaotic and destructive inside and i don't i don't feel peaceful and what's what's the point of this life again Mm -hmm. to enjoy our life Mm -hmm. i think we don't know that we're supposed to enjoy our lives Mm -hmm. i think inherently we we probably are (laughs) (laughs) self-tortured well i wonder too because i do i i mean i don't really watch a lot of entertainment anymore even though when i was a kid i loved watching movies and obviously i was in theater and dance but i tend i tend to notice that a lot of things you know stories are conflict and drama and I think there's a purpose for looking at those but I also find at this point in my life um I just feel like there's enough conflict and drama in real life to just work through so I really feed myself with things that inspire that like that's just the stage I'm at but I think it's really important to feed what works for you you know, so if watching war movies helps you work through things and helps you feel better and helps you feel a release, watch war movies. Get the <laughs> best directors, the best actors. But if you notice it makes you feel depressed or pessimistic, find the kind of movies or entertainment or music that serves your purpose right now at this point in your life. There's so much available. We have to be conscious curators of what we put into ourselves. I love that. We have to be conscious curators of what we put into ourselves. So true from social media to entertainment to our people mm-hmm. to work environments, the whole thing. Yeah. What are some questions we can ask ourselves to get ourselves on a more energized track of ease? Hmm. What are some questions? You know, <laughs> one of the questions I ask clients is, why did you incarnate? At what, what, you know, and just use your imagination if you don't believe in that you chose it or anything like that. Why do you think you're here? Like, what did you come to experience? Like, this is a beautiful place and it's a challenging place. And what made you know it was going to be worthwhile? What made you know it was going to be 
engaging or enjoyable. Sometimes people shy away from the word fun because they're like, it's not supposed to be fun. I'm like, okay, how about engaging? How about worthwhile? Yeah. You know? But but I ask that question. And that's important because if we've lost sight of that, no wonder. No wonder things aren't working if we're pushing in the wrong direction and we incarnated for something else. So that's a big first question. Next question. What what would you think a second question is? Um, Okay. Second question. Hmm. I would – well, I have a whole list of questions that I ask, but I'm just going to see what's coming to me right now. I would just say, how does your body feel Mm -hmm. right now in this moment? What is your body telling you? So, uh, and even searching, if somebody's coming to me because of a certain issue, I would say search. When you think of that issue, where do you feel it in your body? Are your lungs tense? Do you feel your back start to tighten up when you think about this issue? Does your forehead furrow? So really tuning in to how your body feels right now. And then I devise practices for how to do that on their own. But I think in a session with some a witness there, it's a great question to look at. Awesome. I love I love that. Like I lo- it's so important. And one more question, one last question we could all ask ourselves. Okay, one last question we could all ask ourselves. Oh, I just think what do I want? <laughs> you know? I mean that's such a general question and it kind of relates to the first question, um but what do I want? Like what do I really really want? How do I want to feel? So maybe that would be the question, to narrow it down. How do I want to feel? Because when you think about, I want this job, I want this partner, I want to live here, I want this success, I want to be on this podcast, I want to have graduated from this university, what is that going to give you? Mm. Will you love yourself? Will you walk into a room with confidence? Um, Because if you think that's going to give it to you, you'll graduate from Harvard and and you'll— you'll walk into a room and you'll feel really insecure when somebody that didn't graduate from high school started the most successful pizza business on the planet. And, you know, they're outpacing you. I'm doing air quotes (laughs) right now. So it's really like, how do you want to feel and how do you really get that feeling? It's interesting. This week I was with my friend Eli and we had a conversation about success and how I wanted to feel. I said I he said, well, what would make you feel successful? I was like, to be respected. Well, what would make you feel respected to be okay, respectful? I like and Eli. he's like, he's like, well, what does it mean to you to be respected? And at the core, you know, jumping to the end of the story is like, well, both my parents, you know, being like essentially being proud of me. And mm-hmm. he's like, but you know, you can't control how other people mm-hmm. perceive you or mm-hmm. who they are. And it's not even fair of you to like try to mm-hmm. manipulate. So are you saying that if if your parents don't see you as, you know, how you'd like them to see you, then you'll never truly be respected or successful? Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's kind of like setting yourself. He's like, what if you're successful right now as you are? Mm-hmm. Just and you respect and you can respect yourself right now mm-hmm. and i was just like whoa you know yeah. just, and then he's like let's say you got to you know xyz dollars in the bank account but then who are you comparing yourself to where you need to get even higher and higher and higher and high it's like never enough because it's this like never ending yeah it's and infinity yeah, yeah. so it's- he's like how about just knowing that how you live your life how you show up right now the kind of character you have every is what makes you successful. Mm-hmm. And I was reading about 
coincidentally, I was reading about some of these actors who had a lot of wealth early on, um, like child stars. And, and then they mm-hmm. mismanaged their money and they ended up bankrupt and working, you know, um, everyday jobs. And they'd be sadly ridiculed for, you know, working an everyday job because they were this famous actor that had all this money and, you know, society isn't kind sometimes. I was like, that's so interesting because I bet society would have used the word successful mm-hmm. when as like a seven-year-old, they had a huge bank account. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden they're not this word successful because as like a, a 30 or 40-year-old, or they weren't able to handle their money. And so it's like this concept of like how in the world – that if you come in not to all this money as a kid, you can be deemed as successful. But like, I just think that word success is so tainted. It's so, mm. it's so attached to dollars. They're just energetic exchanges. They're life experience. Like, why do we attach the word success to a dollar amount? And when does that dollar amount ever end? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't end. The emptiness doesn't ever end if you're trying to fill it with that. And I love what you brought up about the ups and downs of success because one great thing about working in Los Angeles for the last 10 years is because the extremes of people's career trajectories. Yeah. You know, like working with an actor who was like massive 20 years ago and still like has a great house in Malibu, still um, has a great life, but he wasn't you know, Richard Gere. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's always something else he could have been. Totally. You know, Um, so I've really worked with a lot of people in L.A. who have experienced this. And so it has become something that I address really directly. Like I addressed it before when I was in the Midwest and when I was in San Diego. But in L.A., like, wow, it's people have really tested the extremes of this. Totally. And they've they've really gotten to the point where they've realized that's not it. And not that it's not important to achieve your dreams, but that that feeling of respecting yourself is crucial. Is attached to that. It's just... Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if somebody really wants the approval of their parents, one of the best things that can happen to them is their parents rejecting them because then they'll be able to really feel what they really want because as long as they're making their parents happy, doing something they don't want, yeah. they, you know, they're going to keep doing that and they won't hear their own voice. Yeah. So sometimes when somebody's parents say, hey, we don't get you, we're not, we don't, you know, we don't get what you're doing, we don't respect it. Like if you really lose, and I mean, I'm not wishing this on anyone, but if you really lose the respect of your parents, then you start to follow, if that's your addiction, then you will start to follow another path. Yeah. Not to be too emo, I may have told you this when we met. Oh, um, let's go emo. (laughs) And it's really vulnerable uh, which you guys are used to. But so my dad and I are estranged. We were extremely close growing up. And the reason why I bring this up is because one of the conversations with my friend was like, I just feel like if I achieved a certain level as a business leader, my dad will come back and love me again mm. because he'll, I'll respect me, he'll respect me, and then he'll love me. And then my friend was like, and what if he doesn't? I, I, It's like in my subconscious – I felt like that was the way to get my father's love back, you know? Oh, wow. I guess the point in sharing all this is it's re—and this is why I think it's important to to really explore our deepest truths so that we could truly—how did you say it? Um, 
curator of our reality. How did you say it? You had this mm. cool thing before we started recording. Oh, yeah. I don't remember the exact words, but curating, um, being the curator of your life, of your yeah. reality. Maybe your, something. Yeah, I, I believe yeah. in curation. Yeah. <laughs> I believe in choosing and developing yourself in a way that you can choose consciously. But if we don't know our own truths, yeah, we can't even begin to mold what we want. Because we have to get to the very fundamentals of mm-hmm. what our truth is in order to make the decisions that will make us feel most full and vibrant and and let go of the things that we can't actually control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like what you're talking about with the um, – it makes me think of the subconscious drives. Like if somebody is is doing a career they don't want to please their father to get their father's love. I mean, once you identify that. I'm doing a career I want, by the yeah, way. I just yeah. figure if I went or not now after. But if I were to reach a certain status. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, I was telling my friend Eli, I was like, but that's awful because I don't want my father talking to me just because I have a certain right? status. Great way to like think that's it even through. emptier. Yeah, once, you know. Once you think it through with the logic, yeah, that's it, what it happens. Yeah, sense. And that's a big thing I do is like take things that are really emotional and honor the emotions, but also help us step outside of the emotions and view them by going through things logically. Yeah. yeah. Logically thinking, okay, what if you got what you wanted, what you think you want, what would that look like? Yeah. So really logically going through it. Totally. But normally when I ask myself or any anybody that I'm working with or even a friend, if you're pushing towards something or moving towards something and you feel like you're doing everything right and it's not happening you usually have the emergency break on, like some kind of subconscious fear yeah. is that emergency break. And once you release that, you're going to go hurtling forward. But like, okay, take your example. You're in a career you love and you think you want to reach a certain status so that your father will respect you. Yeah. Once you drop that it's for your father, you'll probably reach that status really quickly if it's what you really want. If it's but, what I want, yeah. yeah. But as long as you're not attached to it being for your father, if you're, if you're thinking about, wow— if I reach this visibility, I'll be able to help so many more people and that will be yeah. so much more fun and I'll meet people all over the world and right. we'll create and it'll be this win-win and that it will move you forward, not I'm going to do status for my dad. Not saying that doesn't work for some people, yeah. but then when they get the status and either their dad doesn't love them or their dad loves them, like you said, because of the status, yeah. it's empty. It's totally empty. Yeah. It never even occurred to me until I had that conversation with my friend. Before we got started, we were talking about some uh, some of the amazing things. We were we were reminiscing about the session that you and I had and some of the amazing things that you've experienced with other people you've worked with. And I was laughing because one of them is the thing that so many people want is, how do I find love and attract a partner? And I was like, we can't talk about that. <laughs> but you know what? It is what everybody wants, like yeah. how to find their perfect mate. So tell us about the experience working with this one person. Yeah, and, and, it's a really great yeah. story. It's a really fun story. It's when I was working in San Diego, and I had a client who really wanted to find a partner, really wanted to find her true soulmate. And she was an extremely successful businesswoman, ran her own company, doing really well, but she kept attracting these men that weren't right for her. They would actually like compete with her. And, Mm. you know, we, we got to the root of that, that she was giving off a competitive vibe, even in the space where she 
wanted to be vulnerable and attract the right mm. person. So we just helped her um, through several techniques tap into her sensuality, her femininity, and her vulnerability. And she learned she could just still, like, kick ass at work because she loved it. It was genuine to her, and she led a great company. But then she could switch gears, and she could just really be feminine and soft and gentle. And she did attract a really amazing husband shortly Whoa, thereafter. I didn't get to that part. That's oh, crazy. Yeah. No, Stop. she did. She did attract the the type of man that we actually visualized together. Um, there were some. Th- Yeah. Anyway, I could go on. But it was very successful because she was really getting to the root of what was attracting these men that were competitive. And she was subconsciously competing with them, too. She was so anyway, we shifted that energy. One client that I worked with actually became a billionaire running a software company. And when I met him, He had achieved his financial dreams, and he had achieved a lot of things in life that were important to him, but there were still just simple things that he couldn't do that would make a big difference in his life, like couldn't stop eating sugar, (laughs) couldn't keep his desk clean, like very simple things like that. Like he could have control over this amazing mind and masses of people and employees, but wasn't able to control certain things in his life. So we worked on what was at the root of that. And another thing he talked to me about, and I I will not mention his name because he said this is something that a lot of people couldn't relate to, but he said, when you have so much money that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, it creates a tremendous amount of anxiety about what is the right decision. So, yeah. So, and kind of what that taught me too is a lot of us create subconscious blocks and we don't know why. And it's almost, I know it sounds trite, but in his case, he proved it was true. Like we fear what we'll do when we have too much power. We're afraid we won't make the right decisions. And so that was like a great learning experience for me as well as for him. And I think it's always that way with clients. Like I learn so much. When I think about success, it's interesting. My best friend, so my first co-founder, went on to found a company called Box, which is a tremendously bazillion-dollar huge file-sharing company. And, you know, sometimes I'd say, why didn't I end up in the same place? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and my best—but I backpacked the world with the Women in Tech podcast featuring, you know, women in over 100 countries. And when I look back, especially with the pandemic, my travels are— where I feel I've been the most full, happy, and successful. Like, maybe it wasn't financially successful, but, like, it was a successful life. Like, I mm-hmm. felt such abundant a successful joy. life. You know? And she's like, she's like, you know, if you were on the same path as he was, you wouldn't have had your travels, right? And I'm like, oh, didn't even occur to me. And if I had to choose, like, if you said right now, You could live the same life that you've had or you could reach that, you know, Richard Branson God status. (laughs) I would do the same thing because there's no way I'd give up my travels. Mm -hmm. Like my travels are what have made my life rich, Mm -hmm. which is very confusing as a tech entrepreneur because we think about things like, you know, uh, IPOs and having bazillion dollars and acquisitions. And these are the symbols of success that you 
that you're living successfully. Mm. However, how I feel inside my body and the joy I've experienced has all been the adventure of travels and meeting these amazing women around the world. And, you know, the, 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 the kind of community service that I've done in Los Angeles, like really my trap, like the travel just being really, really on it. Like the travels have just been, when I travel to a new place, I feel like I'm a baby exploring life for the first time. Like yeah. every bus stop and figuring out the buttons and the mm-hmm. language and the culture and the cur- curiosity. It's so innocent and pure and yeah. exciting. I just wouldn't give that up for anything. Okay. That's beautiful. And even in this thing, I'm trying to already justify it. And then, and then the work I've done in LA too, mm-hmm. trying to make it more legitimate. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, it can't just be. That sounds so fluffy. But like, if I just... If I let go of trying to appear legitimate and focused on where I felt full, just without censorship, my backpacking, like a hundred percent. Wow. I love that you said that because I think that innocence and that curiosity and that purity is how I like to wake up every day. And I think we all desire some of that natural yeah. feeling. Yeah. So, and I also love what you said about you wouldn't have it any other way. Like those travels made you. And that's such a powerful position to come from, like appreciating what the past was yeah, and then building from there. And like you said, that was natural to you. Yeah. Like an authentic. And if you look at Jeff Bezos, like if you <laughs> listen to his interviews, yeah. he was like this passionate kid. He's passionate every day. Yeah. Like it's natural to him to live that life. Or you listen to interviews with Elon Musk, same thing. It's this innocence and purity and passion Mm. that drives them. Now, once they get successful, people say all kinds of things about them, just like anybody successful. But where they started from and what they're still doing is waking up every single day excited about their life. And that's what you were doing when you're traveling. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So one of my favorite podcasts. the key. Right? One of my favorite podcasts is Diary of a CEO. Oh, my God. And he had Seth Rogen on this week. And Seth Rogen, and he was asking Seth Rogen about his work, like the word work. He's Mm -hmm. like, work? Is this just like what I love? It's Mm -hmm. not even like work. I just, I've been writing scripts since I was 12. I love writing scripts. I'm obsessed with like the formats of movies. And I've gotten what I love to do since I'm like 12 years old. This is not work. This is like Mm -hmm. amazing. I just like, I just want to do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and it's just, and you saw like the vibrancy of like, yeah, yeah. And, and oh, because he asked them, so he was on the show Freaks and Geeks and then something else, mm-hmm. which was like a pop culture show, but like it fell. And then he didn't have work for three years. And the host of um, Diary of a CEO says, um, he says, did you ever think about quitting? He goes, nah. Mm-hmm. Why would I quit loving what I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, and then later in the interview, he says, what's one thing that could you know, raise people's chances to be successful like you. He mm-hmm. said, don't quit. 
If you mm-hmm. quit, you're guaranteed not to succeed. Mm-hmm. He's like, but if you just don't quit, there's a chance. Yeah, yeah, there's a really good chance. Yeah. And you'll be enjoying your life in the process. Yeah, if you're so, doing what you love. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I remember in college people saying to me, oh, you know, when you get out of school, you have to do things you don't like to do. Enjoy it now. And I just thought they were nuts. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not going to be like that. Yeah. And so, like, what I really would do is, like, if you focus on what you love, there'll be challenges, Yeah, but it's worth it. Yeah. And also, I like to play a game with myself as like, okay, how can I enjoy this? Yeah. Like, you know, even doing my taxes, like I'll make a game. How can I enjoy it? I love that. So, <laughs> it's important. I mean, <sighs> just everything you said just now yeah. was so key. And that's one thing I do when I'm doing a session with a person yeah. is that we're focusing, we're both really focusing on channeling in the right wisdom. Yeah. Like we're, you said it was like a transformational or it wasn't just a regular type no, of session. No, it felt like you and tapped into me, got all the like, like racket, like yeah. that noise, like that screeching mm-hmm. away. And you're just like, mm-hmm. well, not, be, yeah. be. That's how I felt. I felt like I walked in, like in angst kind of in in a in this energy of trying yeah trying to you know and then leaving was i'm just being yeah. now and so it is i'm glad you said that cuz it is about a transformational experience like almost a shamanic type of yeah. experience yes. and yes it's rational and yes it's trained and yes there are techniques but the techniques that i've developed and that i learned are to open up that space of transformation. And the wisdom comes just as much through you, through the client, as through me. Yeah. I mean, it, we're creating that space together. Yeah. And we're honoring your inner wisdom. And I just feel like the universe wants you to find your path. So I invite the universe in and say, like, give us all you've got. Like, yeah. we're ready. I love it. Thank you so much for <laughs> yeah, giving us all you, you have <laughs> on the podcast. This Tell is really fun. How can people connect with you? Okay, so I have a website. It's drajayansky.com. So you can connect with me through the website. Can you spell it too for everybody? Yeah, yeah. D-R-A-Z-A-J-A-N. S-K-Y dot com. So there's lots of information about my work and videos and the, the little social media that I do. And <laughs> it's ways that you can connect, whether it's through, you know, a podcast or just through watching a video or actually having a private session. It was an incredibly powerful experience for me. And uh, I just appreciate you sharing a bit of your story on the podcast. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. And I'm excited to be your first interview back in the saddle. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like a rock star right now, everybody. Oh just God. by the way, like she has energy of sparkling rock star <laughs> coming off of her. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for hanging out Yay. with the Women in Tech podcast. Woo-hoo. I will see you all in the next episode. Remember to say hello at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Bye. I'm Draja Jansky, and I help creatives, entrepreneurs, and executives create beautiful personal and professional lives. I'm based in Los Angeles, California. You are listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. 
Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.